Hey guys, it's Rebecca Price. I hope that you're doing great and I hope that you um, have had a great start to your Monday. Uh, my husband and I traveled over the weekend to Florida for a funeral and so we're happy to be back. So we're thankful for that. Um, so tonight I was doing dishes and the Lord started bringing, the Holy Spirit started bringing things to my mind and, and, and the Lord just, my, my, my wheels were turning in uh in my head and the lord just gave me a word and i wanted to share it with you guys uh and let's just let's talk about it let's look at it let's look at some scripture behind it because i think it's very important so the bible talks about the importance of of uh the disciples of christ being in the world but not of the world and i want to talk about that a little bit because some of people will get it confused you know um especially churches today you know wanting to reach people will sometimes think that their tactics are not of the world, but in fact they are. And instead of being in the world and not of the world, they're in the world and they're of the world. And Jesus warns us about that. Um, and I want to read this scripture so you'll know where we're getting this from, okay? So um, Jesus is praying for his disciples. It's, it's the high priestly prayer. It's in John 17. And um, I want to read a section of this to you. I'm going to start with verse 14 and I want you to pay attention to the language here. Okay. To what he says. And he's praying to the father and he is, um, he's praying for his disciples and he's praying to the father, but I mean, he's praying for his people. You know, I believe he's praying not just for his disciples, but also for us, you know, disciples in the future. He says, Jesus says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So several times we see a distinction. Jesus talks about they have been sent into the world as I have been sent into the world. But several times he says they are not of the world as I am not of the world. And he makes this distinction. So why is this distinction important? Why is it important to make a distinction of being in but not of the world? Okay. So the dis the church is in the world we're here we're 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 in in the midst of believers and non-believers alike we're in the midst of the world but we are not of the world we are not like them we do not come from them like we're not of them we don't have the same you know the the, the flesh and the spirit are opposite we don't have the same values we don't have the same the same um the same beliefs we don't we're not the world and uh, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness are not the same. And Jesus talks about in the Bible that there is no fellowship between light and darkness. And Jesus makes this distinction because there are two kingdoms in the world. So the kingdom of light is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of Satan. And these two kingdoms are always at war from each other, but they are polar opposites to each other. They're not the same. And that's important because I want us to look today at scripture of why it's important for disciples to be different. Why is it necessary for us to be different from the world? Why can't uh, somebody minister to an alcoholic by getting drunk with them? Or why can't, uh, you know, 
Uh, why can't someone um, minister to a prostitute by prostituting alongside of them and, and trying to reach them in their... Let's talk about some of this, okay? Let's look at some of this and see, and, and, and let's talk about it. Let's look at it in the Bible. So let's look at it practically, first of all. So we talk about light and darkness, all right? If you are in the dark, let's say you're in a room and it's dark, how do you bring light to the room? How do you make it, how do you make the room lighter? You don't add more darkness, right? You don't add more darkness to the room. It doesn't make any sense. It just makes it darker. You can't see. You have to bring something completely opposite than the darkness, which is the light, to brighten the room. The same is if there's light. If there's light in the room and you want to make it darker, you've got to shut the light off in order for darkness to be there. Okay, you don't you don't bring in more light to make the room darker. It doesn't make any sense. When Jesus was casting out demons from people, um, some of the I believe it was the it, the Pharisees that did it, but I, I'll have to go back and look. But they accused Jesus and they said, "Oh, he casts out spirits uh, by the power of Beelzebub." And Jesus looks at them and he's like, "No, no, no." He said, "How can I do that? Is Satan going to cast out Satan? It doesn't make any sense. A house divided against itself can't stand." He's like, "Darkness is not going to cast out darkness, <laughs> just like light's not going to cast out light." You know, it's like it doesn't work that way. You know, and and they were their minds were very jaded. They didn't see spiritually, didn't understand spiritually that darkness and light, they they can't they can't coexist together. Like you can't have be full of darkness and full of light. That's why people I talk about the gray area when people want to straddle the gray area in the line and say, oh, I can I can be a disciple of Christ, but I got I can also be of the world. I can go out there and do and, and, and party with the world and do all these things with the world. Well, no, you can't because Jesus said they are not of the world as I am not of the world. Right. So let's look at this. So I want to look at people in the Bible that were changed. Let's look at some people in the Bible that were changed and transformed by Jesus. So the first one that I want to look at is a very famous, uh, the woman at the well. It's the Samaritan woman. And I always spell Samaritan wrong. <laughs> but uh, let's see. I'm going to look this up real quick. I should look all of my verses up ahead of time. I know that's the that's the right thing to do. But, um, but anyway, I want to look at the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to read this and I, I kind of want you to, I want you to pay attention to the story and I'm going to point out some things. Okay. So <clears throat> now when Jesus learned, I'm in John chapter four, by the way. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So Jesus is tired. He's sitting by the well. Let's see what happens. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So there's your first difference right there. Jesus treated her different 
right there in that instant than any other Jew had treated her. Because Jews and Samaritans did not have anything to do with each other. They avoided each other. They didn't, they, they just, they didn't mingle at all. But here he was a Jew asking, like speaking to a Samaritan woman, but not only that, asking her, hey, can you give me a drink? Because I'm thirsty. That's something different because the Samaritan woman's like, why are you, what is this? Why are you speaking to me? You're a Jew. So that was the first difference, right? Let's keep reading. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying, do you give me a drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus is sitting here preaching to her the truth of the of the gospel. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So he's speaking of spiritual things, but she's sitting here still her mind on the physical going, well, shoot, I don't want to ever be thirsty again. Tell me where this water is. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So, This woman obviously had, what, a different experience than she had had with other Jews. She'd never had this experience before. Not only was he speaking to her to begin with, because, again, Jews and Samaritans, they, they didn't have anything to do with each other, but he preached to her about spiritual truths from heaven, heavenly truths. And not only that, I mean, he shared the gospel with her, told her and revealed himself as the Messiah to her. And he told her about herself because in the end, she's like, come meet this man who told me about everything that I ever did. This man, which means that nobody had ever done that before. Jesus was not the same, did not treat her the same as everyone else did. He didn't treat her the same as all the other Jews did. She had a different encounter with Jesus, a different encounter. If Jesus had said, well, I'm going to reach her like the world reaches her, or I'm going to talk to her like other people talk to her, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, would, would it have been effective? No, because she needed change. She needed 
fresh air. She needed the gospel. She needed the truth. And it was different from anything else that she had ever experienced before. And it absolutely transformed her to the point that she left her jar at the well. She didn't care about it anymore. Didn't matter because she had been filled with something greater. I mean, uh, it's it's incredible. So that's an example of the way Jesus dealt with this Samaritan woman. He was different. He brought light to the situation. All right. And so that's one example of Jesus reaching someone who is a sinner but he did not compromise his integrity. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I'm going to reach her the way the world reaches her. He sat down and he, he, he revealed truth to her. So that's, that's just very interesting. So I want to look at another example. And I know that was long. I'm not going to read, um, I'm not going to read all like the whole, the whole stories of these, these people that I'm going to point out. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, I, I typed in the wrong name. Let's see. Am I going to spell this right? I did not. I did not spell it. Oh, come on, man. How do you spell? How do you spell Zacchaeus? Uh, I can't. Um, uh, anyway, I'm not going to hold you guys up. I'll just, uh, you can go look up and read the story of Zacchaeus. Um, I can't, I, I'm not spelling his name right. I'm trying to search for it to pull it up and I'm not pulling it up. But anyway, if you go to your Bible, um, or you can go to your Bible app on your phone or look on the computer and you look for the story of Zacchaeus. Um, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector and Zacchaeus was not liked by the people. He cheated because he cheated people. He stole from people. And Jesus was coming through town. And Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was was coming through town. And Zacchaeus was a short guy, like short. He had to climb a tree in order to see Jesus. And he climbed a tree. And as Jesus passed through the town, he went up to Zacchaeus in the tree. He went up to the tax collector that everybody hated and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to eat at your house today. And the people around him were had an attitude and they were like, he's going to eat with the sinner. Like, does Jesus know who he's going to eat with? And Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus changed the encounter with Jesus changed because once again, Jesus approached him differently than the world did. The world was all like, oh, you know, they hated Zacchaeus, didn't want anything to do with him. He's a robber. He's a thief. Jesus had a different approach. He brought love to the situation. He brought light. And he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to eat at your house today. And Zacchaeus turned around and said, any money I've stolen wrongfully from people, I will repay. And I believe, I don't know the exact number. I believe he said four times the amount, but it was more than what he had, that he would give back more. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to your house. I believe that's what he told Zacchaeus. But that's another example of Jesus doing something different. Another example, I won't take the time to look it up, but that you can look up was Jesus turning water into wine. That was his first, his first miracle that he did. And it's interesting because he, even in that, he did something that had never been done before. Because at the end of the night, the guy got up and said, you know, typically, you know, you serve the best wine first, but y'all have saved the best wine for last, you know? And, and so even in that situation, Jesus, you know, he, he 
performed a miracle in the power of God, which is different than what anyone else had seen. Jesus was different. And he was also hated because he was different. He was, he, he was hated because of the different approach that he, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they could not understand it. They couldn't understand that they, they, they were, um, my husband was quoting the verse tonight that says God uses the simple things to confound the wise. Um, you know, following Jesus was a simple thing. They couldn't grasp it. But he preached a different message. He preached the kingdom. And they were all about the law. Like, oh, no, no, no. You know, you, Jesus came to fulfill the law, but they were all like, oh, no, salvation is through the law. You know, you're not the son of God. You did all this stuff. Didn't receive Jesus. Didn't receive what he had to say. Um, because it was different because it was different. So not only does, does, um, not only does life change and things like that happen from light, you know, meeting darkness, um, when Jesus encountered these people throughout the Bible and absolutely changed their life, whether it was through healing or preaching or whatever, he also encountered opposition because whenever, he brought, like I said, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because he was different, because he had a different mindset than they had, he was persecuted for it. So Jesus being different brought a lot of things. Like there were a lot of things that came positive things that came and, and even he got some, um, he got some persecution, which persecution isn't necessarily negative, uh, because Paul says, you know, take joy when you encounter trials of many kinds, you know, because if you're suffering for Jesus, you know, um, then, then, you know, you're going to be rewarded for that. But it goes to show that light and darkness are two very polar opposite different things. And so to be in the world and not of the world, Jesus was in the world because he was in the midst of the people, but he was not of the world because he did not think like the world. He, he was led by the Holy Spirit um, and led by God the Father on his purpose and his mission. So he was not of the world, but he was certainly in it. And that's the way that the disciples of Christ are called to be. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. You can't use the things of the world. There's this quote that goes that that's a that um people say and i think it rings true you can't heal in the same place that made you sick it's like the people that say um let's say they're going to quit smoking right and they say oh i'm quitting i've I've quit smoking but i'm going to hang around all my my smoker friends still that do smoke well that's not going to work i can tell you it's not going to work anybody can tell you it's not going to work because again you are still surrounding yourself with the very thing that made you sick to begin with there may be a time later on when you can go back and and possibly minister to them you know in spurts or whatever but you can't continue the same thing because because it's like we said it it's um light and darkness there's no so like there's no i'm sorry my, my mind's running in a million different directions right now Fellowship, there's no fellowship with light and darkness. They don't have any fellowship with, with each other because they're opposites of each other. And I was, I was looking today at a, at a famous pastor and I'm not going to say the name. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't, I'm very careful about who I call a false teacher or a false prophet because I won't call somebody that unless I absolutely know and discern from the Lord that that is, that they're false. (coughs) But. I saw this, this pastor and, uh, he actually, 
has come out uh, with several movies and has and has co-written them or whatever. But some of the movies looked very worldly, and they they weren't uh, clean. Cause I cause here's my thing: you can be real in a movie without being dirty. Um, you can be real and and talk about real things and real concepts without being worldly. And I and one of the movies I saw a lot of lust in. I saw a lot of of nakedness just in the trailer. And I'm going, ugh, you know. And but I'm sitting here going, you know, he slapped his name on that in collaborating with other people. But I'm sitting here going, but you're trying to use something of the world to minister to the world. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can't use the same tactics that the world uses to attract people and jump in on that and say, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to jump in on this and, 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 and I'm going to hijack this and I'm going to, I'm going to turn it around for God's glory and I'm going to this, but, but I'm still going to use the same tactics that the world does. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Again, what did Jesus say? Darkness can't cast out darkness. Satan is not going to cast out Satan. The house divided against itself can't stand. Even in Revelation, he talks about, uh, I'd rather you be hot or cold. You can't. Don't be lukewarm. He talks about people that are lukewarm. He says, if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or cold because you can't, you, there is no gray line. There is no line where darkness and light meet and there's this blending of the two. No, there's not, there's not any of that. And so as disciples of Christ, you're never going to get somebody out of, you're never going to, to help someone and minister to someone if you're, if you are in the same mess that they're in, in a sense, like you, like in other words, like I've said before, you know, if, if, if there's somebody who is, um, who is in the midst of depression they're in the middle of depression. They're battling a spirit of depression. You being depressed right along with them is not offering them freedom. That doesn't help them in any way. It doesn't offer them light or hope. So you, you know, being depressed with them in a depressed state and depressed, that's not, that doesn't help them. You know, you can listen to someone, you can offer an ear to someone, but they need hope. They need something different. They need uh, victory. They need to be, um, they need the complete opposite of depression, right? They need to shake that off. They need the complete opposite. And they're not going to get it if you lie in that with them. You know, you're not going to, you don't minister to a bank robber by saying, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go rob banks with him and tell him about Jesus. Well, how are you going to do that? Because you're not demonstrating with your life anything that's different. Because Jesus says you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, that if you are a disciple of Christ, then what what happens is, you know, in your relationship with Christ and in your walk with Christ, you mature, you grow, you develop the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And think about the opposites of that. What's the opposite of love? Hate. What's the opposite of joy? Um, I would say it's it's depression. It's despair. There's a counter to each one of those. Patience, impatience, being, being demanding and overly demanding. Um, you know, there's, <coughs> there's opposites to each one of those. So, you know, that if I am, if I'm operating in hate, I am not operating in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm operating in, a, in, in the demonic because hate, you know, when I hate my brother, that is not of God. I'm to love my brother. I can hate evil but not hate a person. 
you know, I can hate the spirit. We talk about that. But anyway, that's, that's a whole different thing. But anyway, it's going to show that, that opposites, right? There's opposites. There's light, there's darkness. You can't mix the two. You can't have both. That's like people that will, that will come out and say, well, I'm a Christian homosexual. There's no such thing. And, and I don't care if it offends you fine, read your Bible. There is no such thing as a Christian homosexual. Those that operate in homosexuality are going to hell. They're going to hell. And the Bible clearly says that it says that clearly in the Bible. Because homosexuality is the complete opposite of God's design. God's design from the very beginning is one man, one woman joined together in marriage, united together to each other and to be fruitful and multiply on the earth. It's plain as can be. It's black and white. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because they were sexually perversive, which included homosexuality. All right. So I don't, there's, it's, it's very clear, black and white, but then there are people that are like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian homosexual. There's no such thing. There's no such thing because light has no fellowship with darkness. It's like people that say I'm a Christian witch. There's no such thing because God in the old Testament said, permit not a witch to live. And he gives warnings over and over again. Do not go to mediums, soothsayers, um, you know, sorcerers, things like that. He speaks against it. He pre, I mean, against it and calls it for what it is, calls it evil. So you can't then say, oh, well, I'm a Christian witch. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a good witch because God in his word very clearly says that witchcraft is an abomination. It's, it's witchcraft is evil. It's sin. So you can't, that'd be like saying holy sin that you can't have that. There's no such thing. Holiness is, is, is absence from sin. Holiness is perfect. And sin is sin. It's the complete opposite. It's, it's, it's imperfection constant. I mean, you know, it's, it's rebellion It's whatever, you know? So being in the world and not of the world, it's extremely important that we evaluate our lives on a daily basis. And we say, do people see a difference when they look at us? Now, here's what I want to I want to throw your way, okay? As well, because I think that this is I need to be very careful here as well because just because you encounter something that's different doesn't mean it's from God. When I say something that's different, it has to line up with the word of God. It has to be the kingdom of light. It has to be God's will, God's purposes, God's design, who he is. Because someone could say you know, oh, you know, I went to a psychic the other day and I, it was a completely different experience and that I've had, that I've had my whole life and they, you know, I found out all these things, da, 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 da. you know, did you encounter the Lord? No, you didn't. You encountered darkness. You know, you didn't bring light to your situation. You actually brought more darkness in because what happens is you go familiar spirits that spy on you from the enemy, give feed information to these people and then you leave more uh, troubled and more with more demons than when you went in. So you actually received even more darkness. You went to darkness thinking it was going to give you light and it gave you darkness instead. Just because something is different doesn't necessarily mean it's of God. Paul talked about in, um, in second uh, Corinthians, I just read it the other night and I can pull this up real quick.
Let's see. This is 2 Corinthians 11, 4. It says, For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. He said, I'm afraid. The verse before that said, I'm afraid that the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning Um that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He's saying, you know, you're you're going to be you're just as Eve was led away from her pure devotion to Christ. You're being led away because they're because the people that are coming to teach you are teaching you another Jesus. They're they're deviating from the word of God and you're buying it. They're deviating from the word of God and you're being deceived. You're falling for it. And he's like, no, if anybody preaches another Jesus, like don't listen to him. You know, don't, don't listen to, you know, anybody or you receive another spirit, you know, other than the Holy Spirit. He's giving them all these warnings and saying, look, you know, you need to be careful. So, and, and we've heard, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this before, but, um, I've heard, you know, prophets say that there actually is, there is a spirit called, a, a another Jesus or whatever, like a demonic spirit. And it's one of these things where, um, it's in churches where they teach, uh, teach, you know, a, a, they teach a, another Jesus. They teach a, a Jesus that's not biblical. I've said this many times before. So, for example, you know, uh, there are churches out there that teach that Jesus is all about love and that he does not, um, he doesn't care about your sin, that sin doesn't bother him, and that you don't have to repent from your sin. And that is not biblical. Jesus himself preached repentance from sin. That's the, that's what he said. He said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's like, it's, it's repent. You know, we talked about repentance and he talked about, um, being again, being in the world, not of the world. He preached the gospel. He preached the truth. He preached that people needed to repent from their sin and turn to God to believe, receive, you know, believe and receive the Holy Spirit. And, and that, and that's the thing. I mean, it's, but people today, you know, you got to be very careful who you listen to, very careful who you follow. I've said this many times. Pastors will get up and preach a Jesus that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And this is why you got to know your Bible. That's why you got to read your Bible. I know I say this stuff over and over and over again. I know that over and over and over again, you will hear me say it. All she tells us to do is, is read the Bible. That's all she tells us to do is, is, to, is to pray. And da, da, da. I'm telling you this because, you know, Jesus talks about in the Bible that even possibly even the elect might be deceived by false teachers and false prophets that will rise up. I myself was in a season of my life where I was deceived by the enemy and under a leader. And I can tell you right now, it was an eye opener because it, it's a humbling thing because you realize that, you know, you're not immune to think. We got to stop thinking there. You can walk in victory, but also have the humility to understand and have the fear of God before your life and understand that you're not immune to things. You don't walk around arrogantly like, well, I'll never do this. or I'll never fall for this. You walk around in humility, which is power. And you say every day I want to check my heart before the Lord and make sure that there's nothing in my life that that you know, that I've allowed into my life or, or doors that, that are cracked open, that the enemy is going to try to, to sneak into it's, it's accountability for yourself. It's saying, I'm, I'm going to take my heart before the Lord daily and say, Lord, search my heart, you know, search me, know my thoughts, know my heart. 
and, and being open and honest and saying, God, I don't want anything there. Instead of having an arrogant attitude and thinking that you're immune, because that's when you're going to fall. When you have this prideful attitude of nothing can touch me and, 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 and I'll never fall and nothing can this and nothing can that. When you have that attitude, it's a very dangerous attitude and then you're headed for the pit. You're headed for a fall when you do that. So anyway, I'm not sure where I was going with that. <laughs> I think it was talking about, um, I know I was talking about, you know, being aware of false teachers and things like that and and just having, you know, having the humility to before, before God. I don't want anyone led astray. I don't want anyone led astray. I do not want God's people who are truly devoted to God. Not people that say they're a Christian, but they don't really care about Jesus. They don't really want anything to do with the Lord. They don't want anything to do with his word. They just, they have the t-shirt on because it's it's the cool thing to do right now. Or, or because you get free coffee on Sunday. Or because, hey, at least they serve biscuits or whatever. They don't care. They really don't care about Jesus. I'm not talking about people like that. I'm talking about people that truly love the Lord. They truly seek to follow him. And maybe it's just an immaturity issue. Maybe it's 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 a discernment issue. Whatever it is, I don't want anybody to be deceived. I don't want anyone to be led astray. And God doesn't either. And that's why he puts in it. That's why he talks about uh, staying in his word. And um, uh, the, the song we used to sing all the time, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. You want to see where you're going? Read the word because the word is applicable. The word, it never goes out void. It, it, it will never, it will never return, uh, returned, uh, to God void. Is that what it says? Or it never goes out void. It always accomplishes the purpose that God has for it because his word is perfect. His word is, is strong and it stands. And if you want to know, read the word, because the more you read the word, I'm telling you, the more God's going to open your eyes and the more you're going to be able to discern and see, Hey, that's not right. Hey, look at that over there. Hey, something's not right about this. Something's not right about that. The closer you get to God, the more, the more time you spend, uh, the more you read his word the closer you get to God, it's going to affect your walk in an incredible way. And your walk is going to, it's, it's going to change. It's going to look different. And you know what? You're going to have people pull away from you. Most likely you're going to have people that won't understand because one thing that we, we don't talk about a lot in the world as being a disciple is I don't necessarily think that being a disciple that you are in this poor, wretched state all the time. You have these, you have these two almost opposite ends. And I don't even want to get into all this argument, but you have the prosperity people that say you don't ever suffer any hardship or anything like that on earth. And then you have the ones who say you wallow in, 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 in just horrors all the time. I don't believe it's that. I believe that you have the blessings of the Lord, but I also believe because you are different and because you are set apart, because God has called you to be set apart from the world, the world is going to hate you like they hated Jesus. They crucified Jesus because he was different, because he would not conform to their ideals and what they want, what they believed. He called them to account. He brought the darkness into the light and exposed it for what it was, and they hated him for it. And so as a disciple of Christ, we're doing the same thing. We're preaching the truth, not just with our life, but with our mouth. We are taking a stand for the light. We are preaching the gospel. We're making disciples, and the world's not going to like that. And you know what? The church is not going to like that either the church that's not really the church the fake church is going to be angry cult leaders and cults are going to be angry 
They're going to lash out at you. You are going to experience persecution. And so if you're not experiencing any persecution for your faith, maybe you need to check and ask yourself, do I really look different from the world? Let's be real. Examine yourself. Examine your life. Do I look different from the world? Or do I look just like them? Because if you look just like them, then that's that's key evidence that you need to go before God. You need to examine your heart. Examine your relationship with Jesus. Examine things. Because we're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to be of the world. We're supposed to be in it. Amongst it. We're supposed to minister to the world. But, we, but we're not of the world. We're not like them. We're not. What we believe who we follow sets us apart. The followers of Jesus are set apart. It doesn't mean that we don't talk to the world. And of course we do. We interact. That's how you minister. You, you, of course you do. But again, you don't compromise on the word of God to try to reach people. You don't say, well, you know what? I'm going to do what the world does to reach, you know, to, to try to reach them. You're not offering them anything. They need hope. They need something different. Are they going to, are they going to receive it all the time? No, some people will receive it. Some people won't. Some people will see the light in a sense and will, and will, uh, receive that and re- and be transformed. And then other people will reject it and you don't control who does and who doesn't. That's not in your hands. You just present the truth. You just be you be an authentic disciple. You be one who bears the fruit of the Spirit. So that when people look at you, they're like, they are different. Whether they like it or they don't like it, they are, there is something about them that is different. When, when people looked at Jesus, Jesus drew a crowd because Jesus was this. It, Jesus was different than anything they'd ever seen. And he had boldness and he had authority. And, and, and yet he was peaceful and he had love. And I mean, he, one minute he could turn around and he could rebuke the Pharisees. And another minute he can sit down at the well of a Samaritan woman and, and completely set her free with the gospel. Jesus was incredible. He was absolutely incredible. And he was holy. Holy. He was set apart. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be set apart. So I ask you to examine yourself. And I'm going to examine myself as well again. Let's let's all of us examine ourselves. Let's examine and say, do we look like the world? Because if we look like the world, we're not going to reach the world. In fact, we're, we're, we're going down with them if we don't repent. Who do you look like? Who do you resemble? Darkness cannot cast out darkness. Light doesn't cast out light. A kingdom divided against itself will not stand. In the world, but not of the world. All right, guys. I love you guys. Hope that um, God uses this to to bless you and open your minds and and open your eyes. And yeah, I'm thankful that the word will accomplish what it sets out to do. That God will accomplish um, his word and and what his word is, is sent to do. So I love you guys and I will come at you later with another podcast. Be blessed.